Welcome to Truth Triumphant Radio. I'm your host, Cody Mori, and I was not here last week. I apologize for that. I was out of town. Um, I tried to record it early, uh, but just never it never manifested. So I apologize for that missing week. Hopefully, we'll be back on track every week from here on out. So I really, really, really want to finish up these uh, these messages. And today, we're going to take a look at the second angel's message. And it's an interesting message considering all the things that are happening um, because we do know that these messages actually will be repeated. These are the messages for uh, from God to, to all people and all churches in the last days especially. So it, it's, it's very interesting to see what's going on. And I've been praying. Down, I'm down here in Florida, and I've been praying – very much for my governor, uh, Ron DeSantis, as I, I continue to see him doing things that I feel are, are very pro-Constitution and very good things that are going on. I don't know if he's just playing his part, if he's being just the counter sort of grassroots movement, which is what we're seeing um, on the right side of things. Like the right is now a grassroots sort of non-mainstream kind of non-conformist it's taken on the non-conformist role which actually that was that was like flipped back in the 80s it seemed like um and that this is just my opinion this this is just what i'm seeing i could be wrong about this but talking about the king of the north and the king of the south and, and the battles that they do i see that i i honestly think that rome is trying to get all the conservative side to to unite together you know for the greater good because protestantism and catholicism well apostate protestantism which actually we're going to talk about today but protestantism through the ecumenical movement which unites with rome in the last days will lead to the mark of the beast and the mark of the beast is Sunday worship, which you can figure that out just by figuring out who the beast is. The beast in Revelation chapter 13, all the characteristics point to Rome. And there's a whole study on that. Actually, I've done a little bit of a study on it myself. If you, if you look at the Antichrist showdown, the most recent one I did, I believe it's number 30 or 31. <clears throat> I look at that very issue right there. And and show it's it's very clear that it, it is Rome. It's it's papal Rome, and the dragon, pagan Rome, and also the devil, gave him his power, his seat, and great authority. And what's his seat? His seat is Peter's chair, right? That's what he talks about, Peter's chair. But a seat is a place of ecclesiastical authority, which the papacy has. So. It symbolizes the beast there, and what is the beast's mark? Well, if you just ask them what their mark of authority is, they'll tell you. There's a pamphlet that came out back in the late 1800s called Rome's Challenge, where they basically mocked Protestants for saying that they were Bible believers uh, and, and that the Bible was their only rule and their authority, and yet they kept a commandment of the Catholic Church, which was Sunday which was their mark of authority. 
So the mark of the beast is very simple when you just look at it that way. Uh, not to mention if you look at it in the sense of how you can receive it, you can receive it in your forehead or in your hand. Obviously this is symbolic. If you go back to Deuteronomy chapter 11 and Deuteronomy chapter 6, you see this same type of language being used by God where he's talking about keeping the commandments. So you keep the commandments in your forehead and in your hand and you bind them for a sign upon your hand and, and put them in the frontlets between, between your eyes as it says there. And that essentially is, is knowing, believing the commandments, but also doing them. You know, whatever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. And right there behind the forehead is your prefrontal cortex. That's the decision-making center of the brain. So that's where the Lord wants you to make a decision for him. But anyways, there's a lot of very interesting things going on. I think Trump is going to be uh, launching his new social media platform. <clears throat> Republicans are going after big tech now, it looks like. Well, at least, in, at least they're saying things. Who knows what actually will manifest, but it, it's very clear to me, folks, that all this stuff that's going on around us, it's just a circus. It's just a game. Just You just have these two opposites um, and only really only the left has been extremely violent thus far with Antifa and Black Lives Matter burning down people's businesses killing cops and things like that there have been a couple of things that have happened but it, it, you can't you can't say it came from you know some constitutional group other than maybe the the Proud Boys and some of the the fights that they've gotten into but that is, that is by far not even close to, to what burning down cities and things like that, which Black Lives Matter and Antifa have done. So the question is, when is the right going to get violent? And I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, you should be on the right side. Obviously, anyone who knows me or has listened to this show knows that I take neither side. I think it's all a game that they're playing. And I think that they're doing, and they're doing a very good job, is they got this really this false great controversy going on where people people on one side or people on the other think that the other side is the ultimate evil and needs to be stopped. And there's some good reasoning on both sides, actually. I know that's hard for, for folks who, who end up falling in, in one category or the other to hear, but the fact of the matter is, there's a case to be made on both sides. That's why it's so divisive. Because the devil never tells an outright lie. He always wraps it in some kind of truth. Now, if you look at what the argument would be on the left, and it, it would be that you know racism exists. It's existed for a long time. It, it existed for too long. And there are a lot of folks um, down in the South I know personally throughout my life that are racist. And sometimes these cops, I think, I think a lot of times cops get um, basically they're, they're thought of to be racist. They're, it, what their actions are is interpreted to be racist when really um, they're not. Uh, sometimes they can be very overbearing and... 
I think a lot of people interpret that as racism if they happen to be a person of color and the police officer happens to be white, but that would just be an instance of overbearing. The problem in the world right now, and we need to stay focused on this, is, is that evil is increasing. Evil is increasing in the world. And because evil is increasing in the world, you're going to see it everywhere. It's not just going to be it's not just going to be criminals that get more evil. It's going to, going to be the so-called good guys too, like police officers, like people in general. People are more and more evil. So, and then if you if you if you look at um, historically, when you've had alt-right movements, you've had Nazism, which actually started off as a socialist movement. That's interesting note there uh, for those of you who don't know, but also. If you go back further and go to like the Crusades and the Inquisition, that can be viewed as a reason why to stay away from alt-rightism. Because look at the look at the Dark Ages and look at the Inquisitions and the Crusades and all these things that were fought. It was so horrible, uh, you know, holy wars and religious violence and all this stuff. So there's a case to be made there, and there's also a case to be made that our on the right side of conservatism which is that communism is not the answer. Communism has failed every single time. And our country was not founded upon uh, these principles of equality, where they equalize every single thing in the culture. That's not what our founding fathers created. What they, what they were trying to create was a country built upon Protestant principles, Christian principles and Christian values like capitalism, like life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, like personal property and privacy. All the things that really the Catholic Church violated during the Dark Ages was things that they uh, put up as inalienable rights which came from God. That was the authority behind it all. So there's a really good case to be made on both. Well, there's a really good case to be made at least on the conservative side as far as historical uh, conservative side is, is is concerned but the left also has an argument too and that's that's why this this whole stuff that we're going through right now is so divisive because there are individuals on on both sides that are being being radicalized being forced into extremism and the folks that are paying attention to the media and actually listening to the media they're being forced into more radical ideology themselves so it's 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 very interesting we're seeing the fulfillment of the scripture where it says that the devil deceiveth the whole world and we're seeing that now the the people in the middle are getting less and less and less people are taking sides so what i think's going on and again i could be wrong about this but what i think's going on is is the left is going to push 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 just like daniel chapter 11 says until the right comes back like a whirlwind and i think that we are on the brink of that whirlwind i think it's just really god's grace that we've even made it this far into 2021 without some extreme uh bloodshed that that has taken place what well, we have had lots of bloodshed but not not a war or a civil war breakout i think it's only by god's grace that we haven't thus far so we need to improve the time and make sure that we are using the time rightly to study things that are important, especially. Now, the second angel, angel's message comes right after the first. Remember, 
everything pivots off of the first. So the first angel's message talks about the everlasting gospel, talks about fearing God, which is keeping his commandments, talks about giving glory to him, which is taking care of our body temples, diet, and bearing fruit. There's also another commandment connection there as well. But then it says, for the hour of his judgment has come, and that came in 1844. So I'm going to read to you guys a couple of quotes. First, we're going to read the second angel's message. This is the shortest one. It's only one verse, and then we'll talk about who Babylon is. All right, Revelation chapter 14 and verse 8. It said, And there followed another angel, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Now, I know a lot of folks interpret this to mean that Babylon here being spoken of is the papacy. It is not. It is not in this context. Because remember, everything pivots off the first angel's message. So actually, this message is a message of judgment and a message of warning to those who have rejected the first angel's message. Now, did Rome reject the first angel's message? No. She never even listened to it. I mean, if you could say, yes, she rejected it, but she didn't even give it a chance, <laughs> you know? So if you look at what happened in 1844, who were the individuals that heard the message of the first angel, right? The second coming of Christ in, in, in 1844 and the time periods and repent the message of repentance and fearing God. Who heard those messages? It was the Protestant churches, the Protestant churches. So Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city. It's talking about the fallen Protestant churches who rejected the first angel's message. They make up the city of Babylon. However, Babylon the Great, so Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, that refers to the Pope, the papacy. But Babylon is fallen in the second angel's message refers to the fallen Protestant churches. Now, what's interesting, it says, because she made all nations drink of the wine of her, the wrath of her fornication. If you go to Revelation chapter 17, it mentions this same thing about papal Rome. And verse 1, I'm going to be reading in the Geneva Bible, so if it sounds just a little different. It says, And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying, Come, I will show thee the damnation of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom have committed fornication the kings of the earth, and the inhabitants of the earth are drunken with the wine of her fornication. So, what's very interesting about this is that Babylon fallen, which is the Protestant churches, are or the churches that rejected that first angel's message they are responsible for the same crime of making all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication and what is wine in the bible well wine actually is doctrine it's knowledge and understanding according to isaiah chapter 28 if you go there so and fornication is obviously an illicit relationship. So this church has an illicit relationship with the nations. The kings of the earth, 
Babylon the Great, and the nations being spoken of here in the second angel's message. Now, what is this pointing to? It's pointing to the time when Protestantism will unite with Romanism and enforce a Sunday law. So eventually, now this hasn't fully happened yet. Did that happen in 1844? No. But after the rejection of the first angel's message, the Protestant churches became open to complete darkness, demonic influence, and that's why we've seen them spiral basically out of control up into the day to what today is. I mean, just look at the music. Now, these things are coming into mainstream churches and Seventh-day Adventism as well, but there's very, there's very little reverence. There's more reverence in Catholic churches many times than there are in Protestant churches. They don't Usually they don't even dress up, which I understand some people have different belief systems about that. But I'll tell you this, if I'm going to wear a suit or a tie or dress nicely to go in for a job interview, why, would, why wouldn't I dress up to go and be in a formal sense, meet with the king and creator of the universe, right? So we've seen these Protestant churches fall more and more and more out of control. They, they used to teach about keeping the commandments. Now they, most of them don't teach that at all. Most of them teach that you're saved in sin. And they're just in a falling condition, more and more so up until the point where the mainstream churches one day will eventually unite and do the same work that Rome has done in, in fornicating with the leadership. And I think we're on the brink of, honestly, I think we're on the brink of really seeing the fruition of the second angel's message, the, the prophecy, if you will, of the second angel's message. Now, I have a couple quotes here from Mrs. White talking about this. Review and Herald, September 12th, 1893. It says... We are not to think that the chosen ones of God who are trying to walk in the light compose Babylon. The fallen denominational churches are Babylon. Babylon has been fostering poisonous doctrines, the wine of error. This wine of error is made up of false doctrines such as the natural immortality of the soul, the eternal torment of the wicked, or hell, and immediately going to heaven or hell when you die, the denial of the pre-existence of Christ prior to his birth in Bethlehem, and advocating and exalting the first day of the week above God's holy sanctified day. These are kindred errors, are these in kindred errors are presented to the world by various churches, and thus the scriptures are fulfilled that say, for all nations have drunk of the wine of her fornication. It is a wrath which is created by false doctrines, and when kings and presidents drink this wine in the wrath of her fornication, they are stirred with anger against those who will not come into harmony with those false and satanic heresies which exalt the false Sabbath and lead men to trample underfoot God's memorial. So, the false doctrines, the immortality of the soul, uh, Christ, Christ's preexistence, the nature of Christ as well, that he didn't take on our nature, therefore he can't be our example. Even the Bible says that he, he was our example unto all things. The doctrine of going straight to hell for all of eternity, life, eternal life in hell. The immortality of the soul. 
which goes right along with that. And the judgment really goes with that too. And then, of course, the advocating of the first day of the week as God's holy sanctified day rather than the seventh day Sabbath, which is the only thing the Bible talks about as being a sanctified day. Now, I have another quote here from Great Controversy, page 82, 382 to 383. It says, Babylon is said to be the mother of harlots. By her daughters must be symbolized the churches that cling to her doctrines and traditions and follow her example of sacrificing the truth and the approval of God in order to form an unlawful alliance with the world. The message of Revelation 14 announcing the fall of Babylon must apply to religious bodies that were once pure and have become corrupt. Since the message follows the warning of, of the judgment, it must be given in the last days. Therefore, it cannot refer to the Romish church, for that church has been in a fallen condition for many centuries. Furthermore, in the 18th chapter of Revelation, in a message which is yet future, the people of God are called upon to come out of Babylon. According to the scripture, many of God's people must still be in Babylon. And in what religious bodies are the greater part of the followers of Christ now to be found? Without a doubt, in the various churches professing the Protestant faith. So, there are true Christians in every church, including the Catholic Church. And that's why it's so important that we always remember that even, even my messages, sometimes they sound very uh, condemnatory uh, towards, towards certain groups, but they're not, they're only... They're only intended to be directed, the rebukes anyways, are, are only intended to be directed at the systems, the institutions and the organizations themselves and their doctrines, not the individual case-by-case -case, uh, person. And this is why. This is why we can't just shut our mouths and be quiet. We have to go out and tell people the truth. We have to talk about apostate Protestantism. We have to talk about these these messages and, and get these messages out that way people can come out that way they can know the truth the truth can make them free that way they can learn the true doctrine they can learn what the bible is truly saying about these things the immortality of the soul the judgment god's sabbath things like that and others and that they might have the true wine if you will that's why it's so important. That's why God says in Revelation chapter 18, it says, come out of her, my people. He acknowledges and recognizes that his people are in Babylon, that they're, they're in those, those systems, and they need to hear his voice, and they need to come out. Now, just to talk about a little bit here on that same subject of the second angel's message when it was actually given, it was right there, <clears throat> right around 1844, right prior to 1844, actually, the second angel's message was given. But those messages, obviously, which were rejected, the 1844 message and on, those constitute the systems which would create Babylon in the second angel's message, or, or what it's referring to anyways. So I'm going to read from a book here by... J.N. Loughborough, it's called The Great Advent Movement, The Great Second Advent Movement, I'm sorry, and this is from pages 
171, and then I have another quote from page 219, both about what happened around that time from somebody who experienced it firsthand. It says, The Lord through his ministers had stirred the world with the message, The hour of his judgment has come. A message on which all his professed people might have united if they could. This was the first call to the marriage supper. It had been declared to them that were bidden. As this call was set aside with various excuses, a second call was given corresponding to the second angel's message. By this call, the Lord separated a people to go forth to the time, to the end of time with the advancing light of his truth. And then starting on page 219, it says this, when in the summer of 1844, the second angel's message of Revelation 14 and the midnight cry of Matthew 25 were given, there arose the most bitter persecution of those who still dared affirm their faith in the near coming of the Lord. These opponents sought by various means to su suppress the subject and in every way possible to hinder the work of those who still proclaimed the hour of his judgment is come. William Miller said of this opposition, it is most unnatural and unaccountable. So determined was the opposition near the close of the 2300 days that Geo Stores said of it, quote, we have done with the nominal churches and all the wicked except so far as this cry may affect them, end quote. After the close of the period, as the opposition and scoffing from the wicked was doubly and trebly intensified, William Miller said of the situation, we have done our work in warning sinners and in warning to wake a formal church. God in his providence has shut the door. This is why many times if you read Ellen White, she says that those who reject the first angel's message cannot be benefited by the second or third because everything hinges upon the first. And once you reject the first angel's message, you, you become part of this system of Babylon, part of that great city, which is called Babylon. And by God's amazing grace, we're going to take a look at the third angel's message next time on the show next week. So stay tuned for that. And we will hear the conclusion of these wonderful, wonderful messages. So folks, it was great to be back and I hope to catch you next week. God bless.